Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, we're entering to this new year, and we want to start off strong um, so men come out to the breakfast, right? It's a breakfast. We're starting to serve the men's ministry activities back up again. Um, and so it's a great time to come and be encouraged, be in the word. Um, guys, we've been starting a sermon series called Remind, which is really looking at our mission as a church as we start off 2022. We want to start off strong, but we also want to start off with vision and, and casting vision out to the church, man. Hope 12 Drive was amazing, and we got to see some of that. God worked through that. Now we're into the new year, and what does God have in store for us, but I want us to set the groundwork for 2022 as we're moving forward, that God will move in your lives and move in such a, a, a radical way that you're going to see his love manifest in your life. And that's what we're really going to talk about here as we're getting into the second sermon in the sermon series, talking about expressing love, talking about expressing love. We're going to look at our E4 purpose of the next four weeks as you saw up here, expressing love and quick being the saints, empowering service, evangelizing near and far. These are looking, we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks here. I know for those that are, 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 are guys and gals that watch the NFL, this is kind of an interesting weekend, right? Come on now. For you Charger fans, there's a Charger Raider game tonight, okay? And the winner of that game, right, goes to the playoffs. So it's a big thing today for a lot of us NFL watchers, okay? I remember the story when the Chargers were playing the Raiders. This was Stan Humphrey was the quarterback, so this is back in the day, right? Chargers are winning by one because they always defeat the Raiders. Um, but um, this, is, this is when they were in San Diego, all the Chargers had to do was sit down, take the snap, end of the game, take a knee, and the game is over, we win. But in the snap, Humphreys fumbles the ball. A Raider player gets it and starts running toward the end zone. Crowd is screaming, things are happening, it's, it's going crazy. Now, Stan Humphreys isn't a very big guy, right? He's, and he's just running. Sure enough, he tackles the Raider right before the end zone. Game over, over Chargers win. All this thing's happening, right? After the game, they interview Stan Humphreys. And they're like, man, dude, how did you, how did you run and tackle the Raider player? Like, like, all of a sudden, you had this burst of speed. And Stan responds by saying, listen, that Raider player was running for a TD. I was running for my life. <laughs> listen. Stan Humphrey had some motivation to make sure he got that player so they could win. He was motivated. Let me tell you something about love. Love is our motivator. Love is what should motivate the church. Love is, is the foundation of the church. Love is, is what we need in order to progress because that's the gospel message. The gospel message is love. And that's our foundation that's the foundation of the ministry here. Let me read our mission statement again so you understand what it is. You saw it on the screen on the bumper. I want to read it again so you saw it. It says, New Vision exists to transfer people in their communities by replicating the followers of the biblical Jesus. We want to follow the Jesus of the scriptures, the biblical Jesus, by expressing love, by equipping believers, by empowering service, and evangelizing near and far. That's really our mission here. That's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we do the Hope Troy Drive. That's why we do programs and ministries and outreaches and those things because we want the gospel to be expressed through love. And we're going to be looking at expressing love 
uh, this morning. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. So if you're about to turn up to 1 John chapter 3, looking at verses 10 to 23 this morning. As the Apostle Paul has written this book, he's the same apostle who wrote the Gospel of John, First and Second, Third John in the book of Revelation. This is the same man that God has transformed from an angry man to a loving man, if you know his history and his background. I want to read it, and then we're going to get into it this morning. It says this, starting at verse 10, and this is the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning and that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was a wicked one and, his, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passion death to life because we love the brethren. And he who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer is eternal and abiding in love. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and we shall assure of our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive for him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing to him. And this is commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has given us his commandments. We're starting this sermon series about being reminded. We want to be reminded this morning of his love, right? We know that without vision, people perish. Without revelation, people will cast off restraint, the scripture says. So we need vision. And one of the visions I'm going to cast today is really what is love? And how are we to exemplify love as a church? Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for your love and your blessings and your goodness and mercy and grace. And I pray, Father, as we just enter into your word, as we enter into your presence, the teaching of your word. Father, we know that your word is transforming. Father, we know that you talk about your word in the scriptures. We talk about how it's like a seed and, and that I'm the farmer. and I'm casting out the seed that will fall on good soil, the soil of the heart, Lord, and that we would see tenfold because of your word. But I'm praying this morning as we talk about the power of your love, we talk about the love among the brethren. Father, I pray this morning that, Father, we'd receive and hear your word this morning, that not only we practice it amongst the brothers and sisters, we're practicing it outside these doors. So I, I come humbly before you, Lord, and I'm asking that the, the, the power of your word would be expressed in such a radical way, Lord, that it touches us because you love us, because your kindness, Lord, your love leads men to repentance. And so we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at three things this morning about love and talk about expressing love as one of our E4 purpose, the number one. Love is the mark of God's children. Love is the mark of God's children. You see that in verses 10 through 12 this morning. We know that love is a loose term, right? We read about it. We, we, we have reality shows about it. We watch movies about love on TV. But we seem to what have lost the power of love. And people are, are looking for love. I know that for those who listen to music, you have your, you know, your, your, your earphones, your, your, your iPods, or whatever you're listening to. Music is the way we express love, right? We have love songs. But what is the love that they're really talking about in the music? Is love just a feeling? Is love hopeful wishing? Is love blind? 
I think about the, the titles of songs. The Beatles saying, all you need is love, and then they broke up. Remember the famous dual captain and Tennille for you old schoolers? They said, love keep us together, and then they got divorced after 39 years. Paul Simon wrote 50, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, right? Bon Jovi wrote a title song, You Give Love a Bad Name, okay? Beyonce and Jay-Z wrote a song called Crazy in Love. But then Black Eyed Peas said, where is the love? But Tina Turner said it all and says, what does love even got to do with it? For the believer, love has everything to do with it. Love has everything to do with it. Love is the mark of the believer. By this, you'll know you're my disciples if you love one another, the scripture says. Right? But when you get into the text, he's going to do something very, he's going to break down the fruit of the believer and the unbeliever because guess what? He begins to give the mark of the godly and the godless in verse Verse 10, look at this. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. John the Apostle, I love John the Apostle. John the Apostle is a straight shooter. He's going to give you the word and he's going to make it plain. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to say, look, it, I'm going to tell you who the believer is and who the believer is not. Like, he doesn't regret his words. In fact, these are inspired words written by the Apostle John. He says, basically, he said, you're going to know who the believer is and who the believer is not by its fruit. Well, God knows us by our fruit. Though we're created in the image of God, we are not all children of God. I want you to hear that. Because he's, he's given a distinction here in the passage. He's given a description who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. And he begins to lay out what that looks like because we know that when Jesus confronted the religious leaders in John 8, 43, he called them children of the devil. He says, your father is the devil. Jesus said those words to some of the religious leaders of his time. So we know that there's people of God and people of the enemy. In fact, in the gospel of John, in John chapter 1, verse 12, John writes about how you can actually become a child of God. He says this, but all who believe in him and accept him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. So there was, a, there was an act or a confession or a process to become a child of God, as John writes that in his own gospel. Very interesting that he talks about how the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. That word manifested here, it can be translated as known or evident or recognized. We'll be known, recognized, by our evidence of who we are. What you are will ultimately be manifested. God already knows who you are. God already stands who you are. But the fruit of your life will determine who you are. I can tell a lot by how people talk and how they act and what they say. Your words will give you away. How you treat one another will give you away of what you believe and what your walk looks like. And so John begins to give evidence here Distinguishing between a child of God and a child of dead because you'll know them, the fruit by their tree. God knows you intimately. He knows who you are. Nothing is hidden from him. And the time of testing will reveal really who you are. The time of this, this COVID thing for the last year has tested the church and reveals the strengths and the weaknesses of the church. It's probably one of the most divided times in our history, even within the church. 
of people fighting and not being loving. So it's like when you put a little hot water on a tea bag, you really get to taste its flavor, don't you? Right? Put a little heat on something, you get to, to test its flavor, it gets to test its roots, it gets to test who they really are as people. Jesus said you will know people by their fruits. You'll know what kind of tree they are. We know what kind of tree a fruit tree is by its fruits. I know what an apple tree looks like. I know what an avocado tree looks like. I know what an orange tree looks like because you know by the fruits. All of us bear some type of fruit in our life. Either the fruit of righteousness or the fruit of unrighteousness. We're bearing something in our lives. And we're to be known that. Some people say that's a reputation. Some might even be eulogized at the death. I, I did a, a, a memorial service for a friend of mine who passed away. He was in the military on Friday. I drive up to LA and had a military service for him and I had to speak at it and I spoke at it and how his life was transformed. I knew him since high school and, and what God had done in his life and his kids were all there talking about his life and the fruit of his life and what had God done through him. But he says this, that whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, right? That's stinky fruit. <laughs> That's bad fruit, right? When I grew up, my, we had a couple of fruit trees in my backyard, and one of them was a fig tree. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, right away, uh, you know, fig trees, you know what I mean? And I used to hate it. I, was, I grew up there, and that fruit, if you know the fig tree, when it falls to the ground, it hits the ground and it splatters open. And it's messy and it's stinky. And then the flies come and, and they just like, I, and I had to, my brother and I had to always clean that up. It was nasty, nasty tree. If you like free figs, you know, you love figs, bless you, God bless you. You know what I mean? I know, I know that's good for the, the body and the system there, washing things through. But listen, but John here, John here is very specific about who's of God and who's not of God. And notice the words that he brings, Right? The children of God practice righteousness. They live righteously and, and they honor God with their actions. But the children of the devil practice unrighteousness. They're not honorable to God. They don't live in love. In fact, if you go all the way back to the book of Galatians, Paul the apostle writing to the church of Galatia says, let me lay out what this unrighteousness looks like. And I'm not here to try to list a laundry list. I'm not here to, but there are things that God spills out and says, let me tell you what unloving people look like. It says this, now the work of the flesh is evident. That word evident is the same word as manifest. Like he says, the God of God's people and ungodly people are going to be manifested. Well, the same word is evident, the same word for manifested, which are what? Idolatry, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, uh, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, to those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like he, he lays out a litany list of things in there. Let me tell you something. You list that list and say, man, we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty, right? And really... You can find the commandments, the Ten Commandments in those things, right? Thou shalt commit adultery, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. The, the law, that's the law, right? That's the law. But let me tell you something. That's the bad news, right? That's who we were. That's our stinky fruit. That's how we walk. That's what we were. Crazy. I, I know your testimonies. Some of you are pretty you know, sketchy out there. I know your testimonies, right? Right? I, I, I know it. I've heard it. But, but... God so loved the world, right? 
Ephesians, Ephesians says, we were like these things, like you walked according to these things, but God transformed you and changed you, that you're no longer practicing these things. See, did you catch that? That word practice, that's a very interesting word. Doesn't mean that we don't stumble in these things. We still struggle with a murderous heart. We're going to get to tell in a minute. Right? We still, we could get even angry at times and have temper tantrums at times as God's people, but we're not trying to practice these things. Right? There's something happening within us that transforms us. We talked about transformation last week that changed us, right? But these things are unrighteous and unloving acts, is what he's saying here. I think of Acts chapter 13 when Paul the Apostle is traveling and he, he, he ends up in Cyprus and he's beginning to preach the gospel to Sergius Paulus and he's there preaching and he's teaching, but there's a sorcerer by the name of Illimus that was there. And as Paul's teaching him, this sorcerer is trying to hinder Sergius from, from, from receiving the gospel. It's actually, can you imagine Paul sharing and there's another guy next to him saying, oh, that's lying, don't listen to Paul, and he's coming after him. And it says that Paul was full of the Holy Spirit, looked at Elimus and said this, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? Paul the apostle called out his unrighteousness and his evil. Let me tell you, so anyone who hinders your growth in the Lord is not a child of God. Anyone who pulls you away from God, pulls you away from the things of God is not of God. Think about your relationships you're having. Think about the people who have, are they drawing you toward God or are they drawing you away from God? The enemy could be at your doorstep any day. <laughs> He's there any day, right? But he also says that, you know, he talks about that doesn't practice, practices unrighteousness. It's a habit they have. But also says, nor does he love his brother. He throws love into there. He throws love in the mix. We can be hateful people. He, now, I want you to get the context here. He's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to the world. He uses the word brethren several times in the text. He's talking about people in the church. We always say, well, the world's this and the world's that. No, 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 let's just talk about the people in the church. People say they are followers of Jesus, right? That's who he's talking to. For some reason, they, were, they got off a little off target there, right? Nor does he love his brother. Love, not hate, is a mark of a child of God. First John 4 said, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Right? Now, if we don't know God, then we don't know the author of love. Because God is the author of love for the Bible says that God is love. If, if I want to grow in an area of my life, or if I want to excel in the area of my life, then I want to I go meet people that have excelled in that area so I can learn from them. Right? If, if I wanted to, I, I played college basketball. If I wanted to play basketball, man, I would love to learn under Michael Jordan how he learned things because he was a master of it, right? If I don't learn love, I need to know the master of love, which is God, right? I, I need to know the master of love so he can train me and teach me how to love the way he loved, right? Why? Because here's, here's another aspect. Love is the message of God. We see that in verse 11 through 13. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. He's going he's gonna to start saying, let me, let me get a little more clear here. Right? First of all, the whole message of the gospel is love whether you realize it or not. 
It's a gospel of love. Okay? Jesus shared the gospel message with the disciples that they would go share this same message. Did he not pray for them in John 17? He says that the people, when they hear their message, would receive it. What was the message? The message was this gospel of love. Why? We, we, you shall love the Lord thy God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was, that was the greatest commandment that God had given the disciples, to love God and to love others. We're called to express our love to God and to express our love to others. We talked a little bit last week about this relationship of, that we need to have to be transformed by this relationship here, that we can have this right relationship here. But if this relationship's out of sync, maybe this relationship's out of sync. Because we got to begin to worship. When we sang songs today, we worship God. We're expressing our love through words. We're expressing our love through song. We're expressing our love in community. We're expressing our love. Why? Because we need God to change this so we can learn to love each other more powerfully. John 15 says, this is my commandment that you love one another. I love this. As I have loved you. Wow. See the standard? See the standard? He said, as I have loved you. That's a high standard. God, you love me unconditionally. You love me mercifully. You love me patiently. You love me in all these ways. That's how I'm to love others. Yeah, love. Now, love, the word love has many translations. When you look at the New Testament, it's translated from the Greek. And so there are many words for love. We have, right, uh, eros love. Eros love. C.S. Lewis wrote a book on love, and he, he breaks it down even more deeply. But eros love is that sexual love, that eros love, that erotic love, a love that we express. There's storge love, which we, we love our families, our kids, our husbands, our wives. That's, 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 that's storge love. Then there's phileo love, which we, means brotherly love. We get, this, this, we get Philadelphia, right, the city of brotherly love. That's where it comes from. Our, our love for one another in the church and people around our community. And then there's a, agape love which is biblical love, that unconditional love, that unearned love. That's the love that God gives us. That's, that's a, a big word in the church that we're called to have that agape love for, for one another. But you really have to begin to define this love because there's a lot of meanings. That, you know, I love my wife differently than I love a hot dog. Right? I, I would hope so. You know what I mean? It's a different type of love, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 I would hope that I would love my wife. The, the meanings are different and the, and, the, and the idea of love is different. There's a, there's a deep aspect of love. And so when you get into 1 Corinthians 13, many of you heard this passage because you hear oftentimes in weddings. It's really the definition of love because, and if you read that, this, this definition of love, it's, it's actually really very much action words. Not just words, it's, there's acts behind these words. Because it says love is patient and, and love is kind and love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own. It means it doesn't get its own way. It's not irritable, right? I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna be some confession, guys. I've been taking care of my wife and God's been refining me in that area as she had a broken shoulder and then she got COVID and all these things were happening this last month and a half and I told her, honey, I've been more irritable lately than her. She goes, yeah, you're grumpy. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, God, the Spirit's got to work in me in this area where I have to serve you better. You know, I, I was reading this passage and I felt convicted. I just wanted to confess that because there's healing and confession. But it says this, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives us. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. See, there's a def definition there of love. That's the different love of the songs we just heard about. 
right? What does love got to do with it? You know? love, is, love, is, love is not just a feeling. It's not a feeling. Biblical love gives, it doesn't take. Biblical love gives, it doesn't take, right? And so he begins to illustrate what is unloving and what is loving in the story of Cain and Abel. He says, let me illustrate what unloving love looks like. Let me, uh, unrighteousness and unloving. And he, he takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter four of Adam and Eve's first kids. Cain and Abel, he goes all the way back to that story, right? Cain and Abel came from a what? A believing family, right? Adam and Eve were God's first children. They hung out with God. They had their moments of weakness. They, they failed in the garden, but they had a presence of God. They understood the power of God. And then they have, they have these two kids, Cain and Abel, And what do we find? Their worship, one of them's worship was poor and one was righteous. They were given up offerings, right? Right, one from the gland, one from work, the ground and food, they offer them. Both offered up their lives in worship, but one wasn't good and the other one was righteous and one was unrighteous. Cain's was unrighteous. The scripture says it was evil and his works were evil and his brother was righteous. And there's a whole conversation in Genesis chapter 4 between Cain and Abel as now Cain is angry because God didn't receive his, his offering. And then you have a conversation, right? I love that about God. You know, when you, you get angry at God, God said, don't have a conversation. Let's just talk about this. Let's talk about your heart and your worship. Because we could come this morning and worship and to be far from God. We could sing about love and not express love. Right? We could be far from God and still be God's people in his presence. And he says, listen, Cain, if you would have just done it right, I would have received it. It was simple as that. But the enemy, sin is knocking at your door. He's already calling him out before his, he begins, before he even kills his brother. He said, look, let me tell you something. Sin is knocking at your door. Don't let sin master you. Every day, sin is knocking at our door. He wants to rob us of our love. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was angry and he was jealous of the favor of his brother. Do you ever get jealous of somebody else's blessings? So other people's, how come they get it? I get, I work, I've been working at this job for 20 years and I get the promotion. Well, look at your stinking heart already. Ungrateful, unthankful, like, you know what I mean? And so we see here that the, the anger of Cain and Cain eventually kills his brother. And then he tries to deny it, right? He tries to cover it up, right? Hey, where's your brother? God, hey, where's your brother? I'm on my brother's keeper. Right? You know the story. His blood cries out from the ground, Cain. I know what you're doing. You can't hide from me. That was an unloving, murderous act that you had done. Right? Listen, don't be surprised your love can reap the wrong response. Worshipped. God, Abel was worshiping God, and the response was death. Wow. I, just, I was thinking about that for a moment, right? Abel's testimony prompted a hyper response from Cain, from his own brother, right? How much of you trying to walk righteously in this world will get a negative response? You would think get a positive response, right? You would think, hey, I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to be loving, right? As Cain hated his brother for righteousness, the world will hate you for your righteousness, right? Think about Maybe they're friends or your work or think or probably do something that's unrighteous or illegal or just check out, let's say you worked a half hour and you say, no, I can't do that. Oh, really? Oh, you're better than us? 
You ever, you ever get tempted like that where people are calling you out to do unrighteous things, but you're trying to walk righteously and then you get blasted for it? You know what? You're trying to be light in the darkness and you get blasted for being good. Didn't the Bible say in the last days they'll call good evil, evil good? They're going to twist it and flip it, right? And because of that, you're, you're, those guys begin to isolate you, right? And they call your names and um, they want nothing to do with you. It's persecution for trying to just do what's right, right? You're loving. See, basically, you're loving others can set people off, right? Jesus was expressing love, what? Through healing on the Sabbath, right? The man on the pallet healed on the Sabbath, raised people from the dead from the Sabbath. He did all these things, you know, and the religious leaders got mad at him and they wanted to kill him for it. They hated him. They had this murderous heart. He, like, brother couldn't walk. Now he could walk. Like, you know, the, the, the son was dead and they, now he could raise. He has being with his mom. And, and you hate me for that? Man, we got it twisted. You're trying to be loving and people hate, right? So don't be astonished, it says. Don't be astonished. Don't be surprised. Don't marvel. That, and don't be caught off guard if the world hates you. It, if they hate you, remember, they hated Jesus also for doing the righteous things. They hated him also, right? Love is the response toward hatred, right? That's why Jesus says, turn the other cheek, right? You don't fight darkness with darkness. You fight darkness with light. You fight darkness with love. That's, that's our response to hatred. That's our response to the things we see going on in our world today, right? So he's distinct, distinguishing the mark between the godly and the godless. Here's the second thing this morning. Love is a mark of regeneration, of change. That's what the word means, of regeneration. I remember when I took this young high school kid to camp, street kid, gang kid from the hood. He had his Pendleton on, his khakis, be walking like this, all choloed out. And I took him to camp, and he was unchurched, didn't go to church, took him to Christian camp, didn't know much about God. And he goes, Pastor Pete. I go, what's he? He goes, would God be mad because I dress like this? And he's standing like that. And I said, God could care less about your dress. And he was always saying, well, would God hate me because of this? And, and God hate me because of that? And he was, a whole weekend, he was just like saying, well, God this and God that. I said, no, God loves you. So Saturday night came and the gospel was being preached in junior comes forward and receives the gospel at the altar. Pray with him. He sees Christ, right? Comes to know the Lord. Next morning, we're closing with our chapel. And uh, just like we do communion, we were going to do communion the next morning. And so we give all the elements and the, the crackers and the juice. And, like he's unchurched, doesn't know what it means, doesn't have any idea what's going on. And so he's like talking like, hey, man, what is this thing? Why are they giving this? What is this juice and cracker thing? Is it snack time? What is it? What, what is this? And so he's engaging with his friends and he's kind of causing commotion or disturbance because he's trying. But one of these pastors see that and he thinks he's being disrespectful. So he takes Junior and he kicks him out of the chapel. And he gets out of the chapel and Junior is hot. I can't believe it. I didn't. Man, he's like mad. His homies are out there. You know how it is. They get riled up and they, they're getting all mad. He's like, oh, I'm just mad. He's upset. And so. After the, the communion, one of the pastors come, hey, they just kicked Junior out. So I, I, I go to Junior. I said, what's going on? Like, oh, man, I was trying to figure out what this is. And this, this guy comes to me. This pastor comes to me and kicks me out of the chapel. And, and I'm, not, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. I'm so mad. I'm mad. I want to I hit him. And I'm angry. And so 
realizing that the enemy was working, I didn't want him to leave that camp with that experience. So I called the pastors in. I said, hey, man, I really need to work through this. So I bring Junior and his posse in with him, and we have all these passes, passes on one side, and we begin to work through, through the process of reconciliation because that's a loving way to work through it. And the miscommunication and the judgment that went on through that. And I love the words of Junior. I, I always stuck in my mind. He's, he's talking to this pastor, and he says, you know, man, like, I grew up in a bad neighborhood, and I was always fighting, and, and I've got a counseling for my anger, and nobody could change my anger. And then I accept Jesus last night. And I've been in Jesus one day. I've been in Jesus one day. You've probably been in Jesus forever, but I've been in Jesus one day. You're lucky I didn't hit you today because I've been in Jesus one day. Listen, the gospel changes us, even if it only takes one day with Jesus. One day he changed Junior's heart. That's, that's the mark of believer, this regeneration, right? Love is the evidence of a new life. Love is the evidence. Of, look at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Love is the, really is the assurance of our salvation. It says, we know, right? I want you to catch that. If you have your Bible, we know. Guys, we can have confidence in the work of the gospel in our life. We don't have to second guess it. We don't have to be hopeful in it. We know that we have passed from death to life, right? We know that we used to walk in darkness, now walk in light, right? We know that we have the fruit of the Spirit in us in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We know that God is working in us because we've seen the evidence in us in what's happening within us. And we've seen the fruit of it. There's been a transaction that's taken place and has produced a heart of love. And we become a new creation filled with a spirit of love. We often think that we die and then come to life. But the gospel and the things of Christ is reversed. It's we are already dead and then we come back to life. That's called regeneration. That's called newness. That's called being born again. And so because we love the brethren, because that's the fruit of our love, That should be the evidence that, right, if we can't love the people in the house of God, how can we love the people outside the house of God? It starts in the house of God first and moves its way outside, right? Because love is not hateful in verse 14 and 15. It's not hateful. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, Right? Interesting, hatred here is equated to murder, right? I love this because Jesus always gets to the heart of matter. John is getting to the heart of the matter here. Let's, let's get to the heart issues. A murderous heart comes from a hateful heart is what he's saying here, right? Cain hated his brother before he murdered his brother. <laughs> there was hate inside his heart, right? Hatred breeds a murderous thought, Jesus said in Matthew 21 and 5, 21 and 22, you have heard that it was said to those, you shall not murder. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. If you hate your brother, it's as if you committed murder already. And you're guilty of sin. You're guilty of sin before you even fulfill the act of that, right? I love the word. He uses the, the word abide. It's, a, it's an interesting word, this word abide. You abide. 
John 15 says, if we abide in him and he abides in us, we'll bear much fruit. So there's, there's an abiding that we can bear fruit of righteousness, but we could also bear the fruit of unrighteousness if we abide in hatred, we abide in anger, right? People will brood over their pain and produce a hateful heart. You may have been hurt. You may have been victimized. You, you're brooding for years and years over the hurt and pain that you might have experienced, right? You know what hatred does? It brings out the worst in us. Just turn on your TV. You'll see what hatred does. Read it on the newsflash. Read it on social media, what hatred will breed. Division and racism and all the craziness we're seeing and murder and people killing each other. Every day, somebody's shooting up somebody. Hatred. Unloving acts, right? It reminds me of the story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 23 of Absalom, Amnon, and Tamar, if you read the Old Testament. They're all brothers, and a sister, two brothers and a sister, right? It's a crazy story. Amnon loves Tamar, rapes his own sister, tricks her, rapes her. Absalom finds out, is upset. David, the father, King David, hears about it, angry, but does nothing about it. Absalom's angry, angry at Amnon, heated. But Absalom, in his anger, in unresolved anger, waits two years and plots a dinner engagement, invites Amnon to come with a team of people, and they kill him. And they kill him. Two years breeding up this anger and bitterness and hatred and murderous heart and kills his own brother because of the act of that, because he couldn't resolve it. Now, you can read Absalom's story. He also rebelled against his own dad and ended up being killed himself. Guy, be careful of the poison we allow in our own hearts. It will rob us of our love, of our compassion, of our mercy, these things we allow. Now, it doesn't mean that there's no hope for murder or who people commit murder or hate for others. You know what? King David what, committed adultery and murder, and he was forgiven. Just read Psalm 51. Saul, who later became Paul, was a murderous man, and now he's the greatest guy who started the greatest movement of the church and planted churches all over the start of the churches. And so God can change a heart. We know that. It's regeneration. Love is regeneration. The mark is regeneration. Love, that that's the evidence that we've been changed people. Love. But lastly, guys, love is more than a word. Love is more than a word. We see that in verses 16 to 23. We know that COVID-19 and its variants have brought over 5 million deaths worldwide and 1 million just in the U.S. alone. And I know we have to be very careful. We don't let the fear of COVID hinder our need to love and care for one another. I mean, it's a sad thing when people are sick and your parents are sick or somebody's sick and they have to go to the hospital that you can't be with them. And many have passed away because their loved ones were by their side. It's, it's, it breaks my heart. And in fact, in... In 1878, there was a plague that happened in, in Europe. The Prime Minister William Gladstone announced the death of Princess Alice to the House of Commons. He tells of her death. Princess Alice's daughter was sick with diphtheria and warned by the doctors not to kiss or be close to her daughter for the risk of getting sick herself. When seeing her daughter struggling to breathe and gasping for air, she, forgetting about her own safety, held her in her arms with shortness of breath and faint. The child asked her mother, Mama, kiss me. Without hesitation, the mother kissed her daughter. Princess Alice developed diphtheria after her daughter died, and she passed away. Real love is sacrificial. 
Real love forgets self. Real love knows no danger. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. Love is more than a word. Love is more than a word. Love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. Look at 16. By this we know love. By this love is recognized. He laid down his life for us while we are, as we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Jesus was our model. And he models sacrificial love, right? This is what love is. Love is that he gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. Our response, we had to lay our lives down for others. Maybe that's why in Ephesians chapter five, it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for the church. It's sacrificial. It's giving, it's not taking. He's given us, he's, John is reminding us what this ultimate love looks like. And God, son, demonstrated that love for us. So much love is much more than a feeling. It's an act. God demonstrated his own love to us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we are far from him, when we are alienated from him, when he wasn't even a thought in our mind, we need to consider when God was Theos, not Yahweh. Meaning Theos means God, just general. Theos means, in, uh, Yahweh means intimate. When we weren't intimate with God, we believed, maybe we even just believed in a God. God still loved us when we didn't believe in him but he believed in us, right? But not only was he the model of love, we as the church are to model love. That's the command here, right? Right? If you have the capacity to love and you have resource to love, you are called to love. We are to model love. Think of the word love now. The word is an acronym for me because you can't say love and then don't help, right? If you look at here, if you see a brother need and you have the, the means to help, then help them, but if, if you don't help them, then how can the love of God abide in you? Here, here's some steps for you guys. I just want you to process the acronym LOVE. L stands for look for opportunities to help others. Look for opportunities to help others, right? Opportunities are everywhere. Where is God working your life to serve others? Where is God working your life to others? And it doesn't have to be in the big things. It could be in the little things, the little notes, the texts. The call, come alongside somebody, a gift to somebody on the street. Whatever it is, look for those opportunities. Oh, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I said love is sacrificial. Romans 12 says that our, our lives are a living sacrifice. We're, we're giving up something, right? Give up your time, right? To, you got to stop and show some compassion. That takes time. It might take you away from what you wanted to accomplish that day. Maybe you have an agenda, a to-do list, and, and you want to do it, but what? You might tip away from that a to-do list in order to love on somebody. In God's economy, that's more rewarding and more blessings there. That we would offer our, ourselves up to look for some. What our talents? Or what giftings do you have? Maybe you have resources to help. Maybe you have things to help. Maybe you have things that you have ability to help others, right? And, and your treasures, your resources, because when much is given, much is required because of your own financials, right? It says, if you have the world's goods and see your brother need and do not help him, how can the love of God, if you have resource, 
to bless others, then you're responsible to use that resource as an offering unto God because God, our wealth comes from God, the scripture says. And we'll be held accountable with what we've been given when we stand before the Lord. So if you're driving down and you have that carne asada burrito you just picked up at the local taco shop and maybe you see someone hungry, you might have to give up the little carne asada burrito for a moment, right? Okay, Lord, it's a good day to fast. That might be what you do. It might be as simple as that, right? Or you buy something extra because you saw somebody down the street and you buy an extra burrito. Just, just a little thought, just a kind act, something simple, paying for the guy behind you when you're at Starbucks or wherever you might be. Okay? Listen, we offer ourselves up, right? Then we, we value others. Love, we value others. When we show love, we're valuing others. They're important. We give them dignity. We affirm their personhood, right? They are loved by God. They're created in the image of God. They are seen by God. They're not invisible people. Maybe you felt invisible. Maybe you get to just know their name. Right? We have guests here today. Did you get to know their name a little bit? Just, 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 just you're showing that they're important. It's as simple as that. Value. And lastly, express your love with just a kind act. Whatever that act is, right? Because faith without works is dead. What good is this faith that is not applied? What good is love given to us that we can't apply love, right? We need that abiding love. Abiding love means that God is doing something every day and we get to display that abiding love wherever we're going. But lastly, here it says, but love is not condemning. In 18 to 21, as we close, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this, we know that we are the truth and we shall assure our hearts before it. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, right? First of all, he's speaking to the children of God because he says little children, right? Let your actions speak louder than your words. That's what he's saying here, right? We all know we need to love others, but we do, but do we do it? But do we do it? We, we, we all know what we need to do, but do we do it? Right? We know we're called to love, but do we do it? Right? It's because our loving acts are a mark of the truth of our salvation. It means we're born again, we're believers. You ever told your kids to clean their room? Yeah? Clean your room. Yeah, and they are, yeah I know, I know, I know. Right? I know, I know, I know. Clean your room. Yeah, I know, no, no, no. And then they don't clean your room? You know, you know, I'm going this. Right. You know, but you don't do. Right? A lot of us know, but we don't do. Every day. <laughs> but God's challenging us into the do. Do the do. God said that before the soda. <laughs> do the do. Okay? But we are assured of our faith through the love we display, right? We're sure of faith if we are loving others. There's no, there's no guilt. There's, our hearts don't condemn us, for there's no, no, for, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we have confidence not in the flesh, but in the spirit that's working in us. Our salvation, we, we're assured of our salvation. And, and when our heart wants to get, oh, are you really saved? Do you really believe? But like, Lord, I just, loving people, God, I'm, I know that's of you. It's not of me. Because if it's me, I keep my dime. I wouldn't give it to nobody. You know what I mean? I, I just straight. You know what I mean? It wasn't for God. I could, whatever, homie. Sorry. Out of luck. I'm, I lived like that before. Like, well, oh, whatever. 
Get a job. You know what I mean? Listen, we could be harsh sometimes, but we're, we were in that same place, right? Hurting. And somebody reached out to us, right? But love is keeping his commandments as we close. Love is keeping his commandments, 22 and 23. And whatever you ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do these things that are pleasing to his sight. And this is a commandment that we should believe in the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us his commandments, right? Love, as we close, is, love is expressed by obeying God's commands. Do you get that? Love is expressed by obeying God's commands, right? Loving God and loving others. Loving obedience opens the door for, first of all, powerful prayer. Because he says that here, right? He says that. It, whatever we ask, we receive from him because what? We keep his commandments. Do you see that? Maybe your prayers haven't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to pray. Like, God, I want this. And like, you're not even walking with the Lord, but you're asking. You're like a, 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 a kid that's in rebellion asking for favor. Like if, if your kid violated something and came to dad, hey, dad, can you give me the keys to the car? But he just stuck out the car the night before. But can you give me the keys to the car so I can go out again tonight? He's in rebellion, right? But God's saying, but if you're obeying my commands, man, I'm a loving father. Here's the keys, man. Go for it, okay? So our, our, our relationship with God, because the Bible says we have sin in our heart in Psalm 66, God will not hear our prayers, right? So worship and love for God is obeying his commands and the blessings come for that. We, we see that in the scriptures, that God wants to remove those things there. So our prayers, prayers become powerful, but as we abide in him with love, that's a form of intimacy, right? So if you love me, you obey my commands, the scripture says, and my commands, the commands are not burdensome. You know, God's commands aren't heavy if they're, done, if they're obeyed in love, right? If they're obeyed in love. If they're obeying law, they're heavy because the religious leaders are putting all these laws on the people. God gave them 10, they made 360-something laws. That's legalism. God wants liberty. Do you get that? Love brings liberty. The law brings legalism. Well, I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to be smarter. I'm going to try to be harder. I'm going to try to please God. I'm going to try to do more for God. That's legalism. That's miserable. That's torment. It is. That's torment. I don't want you to live in torment. Right? Perfect love casts out fear for fear is torment. When we start walking in legalism, we're walking in fear because if I don't do what's right, God's going to judge me. God's going to bring punishment on me. I'm, gonna, I'm doomed. I'm, we live, and that's some of us see God that way. But God says, no, just love me. Like you love your wife and you love your husband. You do anything, man, guys, come on now. When you start dating your wife and your husband or your girlfriend, boyfriend, man, you would do anything. Right? You would, you would lose sleep to talking all night on the phone. Then you had to be at work at 7 o'clock in the morning, right? Now you don't even talk to your wife or husband. I'm going to bed. But before, you would like be up, man. You would sacrifice a lot because love motivates that. The same thing with God. His commands are there to protect us, and we love them. We're going to obey them, and they're not heavy, man. God, you're looking out for my best interest, right? But the ultimate command was that we put our trust in Jesus the further fruit of our faith will bring out love for others. Just believing, loving, and obeying. Believing, loving, and obeying. So as we close, remind you of three things. We're talking about expressing our love. Number one, love is a mark of God's children. Love is a mark of God's children. Number two, love is a mark of regeneration, that God's changed me. And lastly, love is, a more, love is more than a word. It's an action. It's more than a word. Guys, as we close and the worship team comes forward uh, this morning, we're going to have communion. And 
we celebrate communion here at New Vision every Sunday because it says every time they gathered, they would do this remembrance of him. And so we made a habit of, of practicing community weekly because we're gathering, we gather weekly. It's to help us remind us of the work of the cross. We're doing a service called Remind. Communion is reminding us of God's love for us. Communion is reminding us of what he's doing by expressing of giving of himself as he sits in an upper room with his disciples. And he's telling them that he's going to go, that another would come. He's telling them that there's something going to happen. He even tells them that I'm going to see you on the seashores of Galilee. Trust me. And they're like, what? Because he's going to resurrect. He's going to tell them that, look it, this has to happen for your benefit. The sacrifice. This communion is for the believer, not for the unbeliever. If you're here today and you never made a commitment, this is your time where God's reaching out to you and saying, be reconciled to me. Believe in me. For this is love. Try to put your trust in me. Because this is significant for the believer, this communion. So help us remember, number one, the sacrifice that he made by the, 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 the beating of his body. Remember, his body was broken for us, for the forgiveness of sin. We know the story. We know that he was beaten. We know that he, he was whipped because by his stripes we are healed. That's his love. So the night when he made with his disciples, he said, he lifted up the bread and says, this is my body broken for you, for the forgiveness of partake. Remember, let's, let's, let's partake. And then he took the cup. Said, this is my blood. This is a new covenant. This is my blood. Leviticus talks about that there's life in the blood. There had to be the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. We saw that practice in the Old Testament when the Israelites traveled and they had a, the temple, they'd bring sacrifice, but they had to keep doing it over and over, daily, monthly, yearly, atonement, sacrifices. What a great, a lot of labor. Then Jesus came, he comes and says, it's done once and for all, no more. After this, the sacrifices ended. His sacrifice was sufficient for our salvation. Let's partake. Father Heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy and grace. And I just pray for your people this morning. Pray for your blessings upon them. Touch them. Lord, express your love to them and that we will learn to express our love to you and to one another. And that, Father, your name will be glorified. Thank you for this family, this community you've given us. Look over now and give them your peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.